Welcome to Skin the Surface. My name is Dr. Rena, board certified dermatologist and your host for this week's episode. On this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about a scar that sets itself apart from other scars. If you have family members or friends or you even experience this yourself, where you have scars that are very raised and unlike other raised scars, these scars do not follow the rules. They grow much larger than the wound beyond the borders. They're rebels. This is called a keloid. Keloid scars are actually more common than you think. And as a dermatologist, I have a lot of patients that come from all backgrounds, from all skin types and skin color who are very frustrated with their keloid scars for a number of reasons. And it's not always just the cosmetic appearance. Keloids are exaggeration of scar tissue. Essentially what happens is that the scar tissue becomes so excited that it actually goes beyond the area of the wound itself and it goes a little bit farther where it starts to expand and sometimes it can be very firm, very painful, and sometimes keloids can actually be really itchy and that's a common symptom that some of my patients have. And if you're experiencing a keloid, you may even say, hey, you know what? I've experienced some itching with my keloid. Now, keloid scars um, can happen anywhere on the body. Um, The most common areas where we tend to see keloids are the upper back, the chest, the shoulders, the ears or the ear lobes, and um, as well as the jawline. Now, I want to talk about, you know, why certain areas tend to be more prone. So keloids can happen pretty much with any trauma to the skin. Um, When you have an injury to your skin, you create a scar, and then some people may be a little bit more prone to getting keloids. And I'll go over some risk factors and kind of what makes you a little bit more prone. But with certain individuals and certain wounds, um, keloids may be more common. So for example, if you scrape your knee, you may not necessarily get a keloid. However, if you have a surgical excision where maybe stitches are involved, you might get a keloid. Or you might get a keloid with both situations. So my point is, is that keloid development is still, you know, something that dermatologists and plastic surgeons continue to learn about. And, you know, we continue to find out more information when it comes to treatments and management for keloids that are successful. When it comes to keloids on the upper back, shoulders, the jawline, the chest, it may actually be due to acne. And I see this so much. And if you're listening and you say, you know what, hey, I'm getting acne scars and they're not typical acne scars when I think of acne scars. They're not those divots in the skin. There's those little craters They're at, or ice pick scars. They're actually thick scars. Is this a cyst or is this a scar? And I get this question so much where patients will come to me and say, I have this cyst that's been there forever and it's just so firm. Well, actually it's a keloid. Um, and so keloids on the chest, upper back and shoulders some, can sometimes be very itchy, painful. The most important thing when it comes to tackling these is to first try to figure out the underlying cause. So in these scenarios, sometimes acne might be the cause. If acne or um, acne-like bumps are the cause, 
then typically I would like to approach the acne first. And that's what most dermatologists may talk to you about is tackling your acne first to prevent the scars, right? So if you treat the scars and then you continue to get more acne and they get, you get scars, it's like chasing your tail. It's just, it's, 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 it's frustrating for, for all parties involved. So treating the acne is really important. Now, there are some treatments that you can do that will both help tackle the acne and help, could help with the scarring as well. And one of those is a topical retinol or retinoid. These can be um, over-the-counter, but there's definitely prescription strength that are more effective. And so topical retinols or retinoids can be really helpful when it comes to treating acne and reducing the size of your oil glands. But we also know that retinols or retinoids promote healthy skin turnover and cell turnover. They also help with um, exaggerated or excited scar tissue as well um, to flatten out that scar as well. So using topical retinols can be really helpful. Um, They can definitely be drying and irritating. So right before you start one, it's important to chat with your dermatologist. He or she may recommend you mixing it with a moisturizer initially to just cut down on that dryness and irritation. Maybe um, start maybe twice a week at bedtime these are also photosensitizing. So, you know, you don't want to put it on in the morning and go outside. You want to, these are nighttime creams, but that's just something to think about. When it comes to um, piercings, um, navel piercings, um, earlobe piercings, these can definitely cause keloids. I have even seen keloids with tattoos. Um, so any pressure or trauma to the skin or any breakage of the skin barrier can trigger keloid formation. Uh, keloids actually can happen on the private areas and in, um, in the groin area. And um, if you experience bumps in the groin area where you think, hey, is this just an ingrown hair? Oh no, it's, it's actually staying there, it's firm. Sometimes it's itchy. It may not necessarily be an ingrown hair. It may be a keloid. If you're more prone to getting um, ingrown hairs or even boils or cysts um, in the groin um, and This could be due to hormonal changes, genetics, but sometimes we can develop keloids as well in that area. And sometimes that can be, you know, really frustrating, cosmetically displeasing, may make you, you know, uncomfortable during, you know, certain intimate um, scenarios. And so um, talking to your dermatologist and your OBGYN um, about treatment for this, because your dermatologist is a great resource and there are definitely ways that you can treat keloids in those areas. I can't tell you how many times I've had patients come to me and have growths um, in uh, keloids specifically in the private areas on both male and female. And um, they, you know, that individual may say, you know what, I'm, I didn't know that I could have this treated. I've had this for years, you know, and I've, I've been so embarrassed about it or I didn't want to go in a bikini because of it, you know, because um, it's an, extending to my inner thighs. You know, um, there are so many ways that we can um, tackle these. And so definitely, um, you know, talk to your dermatologist. Keloids may not necessarily happen overnight, um, so they can appear very slowly. So you have an injury to your skin, could start, you know, within several weeks, as early as maybe two to three months, and then um, can even kind of start to continue to grow over years. Um, And so if you start to see a little bit of thickening of a a scar, you know, it's something to keep an eye on because about 
you know, 20% of keloid scars typically occur within the first year. And so if you start to see that thickening, you know, you might want to have it treated earlier on when it's very soft and not too firm. Um, when they begin to grow, sometimes they can feel like little pebbles, little rocks um, on the, underneath the skin. Um, they can, um, once they continue to grow, um, the growth tends to be very slow for keloids. However, you know, there are some reports that keloids can erupt pretty quickly. Um, they can burn, they can itch, like I mentioned before. Um, sometimes they can even happen um, after um, chicken pox scars, for example. And then color change is something that I think we don't think about with keloids, but definitely can happen. Um, so I tend to see keloids might be pink. Then over time, they might be hyperpigmented, very dark brown. Um, sometimes they can even be lighter in the center and then darker on the edges. So there's different ways that um, they can look. And I've even seen red keloids um, as well. <clears throat> now, um, if keloids develop, one of the things that people just don't think about is applying sunscreen on that keloid. So what we know is that scars tend to get darker in the sun, and we know that keloids also tend to get darker in the sun. So <clears throat> one of the things that you want to do is make sure that you apply sunscreen on that scar because that darkening may actually be um, you know, very difficult to treat and in some cases permanent. Now, keloids sometimes will just stop growing and stay kind of at the same size. Um, they may even be various shapes. So <clears throat> they may not only always be circle. They may be elongoid, oval-shaped, oblong. Um, they may be rubbery initially, almost like a doughy. Um, and then sometimes you might start out with one, you treat one, and then years later you develop another one. Or you treated a keloid and then that keloid continues to grow back. <clears throat> so, you know, why is it important to treat keloids? You may be saying, well, I'm fine with the cosmetic appearance, you know. Well, it's not itching or burning me. Okay. But there are other situations or scenarios where keloids can be, you know, it's important to treat. So, you know, keloids can be really thick, especially if they're on areas of the body overlying a joint. They can sometimes um, impact your movement, so restrict your movement or stretches. Um, they can sometimes bleed. Um, I've definitely seen keloids get a little bit infected if they're traumatized. Um, and again, you know, I think, you know, and I say this in a lot of my podcast episodes, and I think we don't necessarily think of it, think of it but the impact of our skin condition on our mental health is tremendous. And so, you know, if you do experience acne, eczema, psoriasis, hydronitis, boils, um, you know, even just dry skin, rosacea, I, I, the list can go on and on. Um, but keloids is definitely, you know, I consider this a part of it where, you know, it can definitely, you know, be take a toll on your self-esteem. And sometimes these can be, you know, they're not necessarily in those areas where maybe no one's going to see. Um, they might be even in areas where um, they're, you know, on the face and the scalp, they may impact your clothing choices, you know, so seeking care and treatment is, is really helpful. Now, a lot of times um, when we talk about keloids, we think about, you know, are certain people more at risk? Well, 
you know, keloids can happen in really any individual, any ethnicity, in any race. Um, we know that certain skin types, um, darker skin types tend to be at a greater risk. Um, and then individuals who are um, Latin American, Mediterranean descent, uh, Middle Eastern, Asian, um, you know, they're a little bit more likely, again, to have develop keloids compared to um, individuals have, who may have a lighter um, skin tone. And so um, a keloid can also, you know, there, there are some, you know, studies showing, you know, whether or not genes can, um, you know, play a role. So there has been some studies showing that genes um, are more common that these, there are certain genes that may be more common in people who have darker skin tones that may make them more um, likely to, to get a keloid. Um, keloids don't necessarily fade with time. So um, there are certain types of scars where they tend to be less noticeable over time. Keloids not necessarily do not reduce over time. However, um, you know, when you treat them and then with either, you know, certain, you know, we can definitely go over the treatments and they kind of start to begin to fade, you know, give it a little bit more time and then kind of reassess it. So don't just treat every week, you know, go to the dermatologist every week. Oh, it's not improving. It's not improving. It will improve with time with treatments. So when it comes to treating keloids, um, there, this is such an interesting topic to me because there, you know, I continue to run into articles in our journals and magazines, um, as a dermatologist, I always want to learn more. Um, and so, you know, one of our go-tos when it comes to treating, um, keloids is, um, well, first is assessing your symptoms and where the keloid is. So where it is on your body. So certain um, areas of the body I might treat differently um, because the skin is overall thinner. Um, You don't want to cause, you know, you want to treat the keloid, but you don't want to also, you know, cause more issues in the surrounding skin. And I'll definitely kind of talk about that in, in just one second. So when it comes to treatment, one of the main treatments is actually injection of a steroid or something called a corticosteroid. And these injections um, can be used with um, certain types of dilutions with a steroid. And this is where the body part is really important. So for example, on the face, um, you know, the skin is definitely thinner. You don't want to use, um, you know, a very strong steroid because sometimes a potential risk is that you can cause some thinning or a divot or even hypopigmentation or depigmentation in the surrounding skin. And so then you have a keloid and some changes in your surrounding skin. It's not, it's not ideal. Um, oftentimes this is not a one and done approach. So you, um, most likely you will have to come in for a series of injections. Usually the first few injections, in my opinion, especially the first two patients will say, you know what? It definitely feels softer, but the itch and the discomfort has improved significantly. So oftentimes we don't just do injections to flatten it, but also for symptomatic treatment. Usually, this is a very successful treatment. Um, however, um, you know, many of these keloids may um, start to regrow after several years. And so, um, you know, keeping up with these injections, maybe even doing pressure garments or um, topical um, creams to kind of help 
um, prevent some of the, um, that risk for it to come back. Sometimes we um, use topical uh, treatments as well. Um, so there are topical, like I mentioned, retinols or retinoids. Sometimes we, um, there are some studies on topical amiquimod use, which is a uh, topical antiviral cream that sometimes we use that um, there are some studies showing the benefit of. In addition to the injection of um, keloids uh, with steroid, um, you know, for some of the, the more difficult treat, uh, keloids that maybe you've done several injections, a series, it's not improving as much. There are some studies on something called 5-fluorouracil, um, which is a um, chemotherapy agent um, that is used in, and um, used to inject um, into this uh, keloids. Oftentimes they'll be it'll be mixed in a in a dilution with um, interlesional catalog with that steroid. So you mix that, your dermatologist will mix it and then inject it a certain dilution. Um, and again, this is sometimes um, dependent on the size of the keloid and where the keloid is. Um, sometimes with injection of the steroids, um, you might even get lightening of the hyperpigmentation, which is an added benefit. Um, so that might be something, but also, again, the idea is you don't want to lighten the area around it. So sometimes if you have a darker skin tone, this could be, be a potential side effect. So something to definitely, you know, talk to when it comes to your search, your um, procedure with your dermatologist. Um, sometimes people just say, hey, can you cut it out? Sure. So you can cut out keloids, um, but with keloids, um, you know, it's important to know that sometimes it can come back and sometimes it can come back even larger. So this is not um, necessarily, I would say, a permanent solution. Um, to reduce this risk of keloids, typically we'll have you come back in pretty shortly after um, to have a series of injections. Sometimes some surgeons will even do um, a week or two or even the same day to help reduce the risk of that um, keloid kind of coming back. Um, you know, sometimes um, I'll even recommend certain um, pressure dressings um, just to kind of help. Silicone gel sheets um, can also be helpful um, on scabs or wounds if you have a tendency to get keloids. Again, to help um, both the um, appearance of the scar itself, but also prevent um, a keloid from coming, coming up with that scar. Um, some dermatologists have, and some studies have shown the benefit of cryosurgery, which is freezing. So um, this is really, again, dependent on the individual, their skin type, because if you have a darker skin tone, sometimes this might not necessarily be an ideal option for you because, again, it can cause hypopigmentation. But this is spraying um, a very cold liquid nitrogen on your skin, um, specifically um, um, on the keloid itself. And this has been shown to reduce the size of keloids. Um, typically, um, in the studies, it works best on smaller lesions or smaller keloids. Um, and sometimes this is used in combination, um, either before or even after um, injecting the keloid with steroid. Um, there has been a push for laser treatment um, when it comes to improving the cosmetic appearance of keloids. There are some lasers, um, CO2 lasers, erbium lasers, um, fractionated lasers. These are laser and light treatments that help to um, 
resurface the skin and again, help to lighten or um, improve the appearance. Um, you know, radiation is interesting. Um, you know, radiation has been used for quite some time um, when it comes to um, treating keloids. Um, you know, th- this can definitely cause some potential side effects to the surrounding skin. Um, it can cause some changes, reactions, like an acute radiation dermatitis where the skin might be red, pink, scaly, itchy, peeling. Um, so, you know, this is something that might be not your first option when it comes to treating um, keloids, but something that could be possibly on, um, you know, a potential treatment um, depending on your, again, your skin color, your skin type, um, where the keloid is. You know, keloid treatment is um, is just, you know, sometimes I say it's, it could be very challenging, um, but also exciting when you do have that um, wonderful response. And so um, oftentimes, you know, one of the things I always recommend is try not to be discouraged when it comes to your keloid treatment because it's not an overnight, um, you know, improvement but there are so many new treatments that are coming out on the horizon, some topicals, um, you know, so there are just so many new things that possibly will be helpful for, for keloids in the future, in addition to already the, the arsenal of treatments that we have um, right now. So I am going to touch upon other scars Um, some of the crater form scars, hyperpigmentation in the next few episodes. So I know you probably are, you know, overwhelmed with all this keloid talk, but if you are experiencing other types of scars and you're saying, hey, you know, what about this scar? What about that scar? I am going to be touching upon those in upcoming episodes, so definitely stay tuned. I hope you guys all learned a lot about keloids. I really want to direct you to some helpful resources when it comes to keloids. One of the resources is the American Academy of Dermatology. The American Academy of Dermatology is a great resource. You can go on their website, read all about different skin conditions, but also focus on um, keloids. So if you search keloids, they go over, you know, a number of different types of the treatments that I discussed. Um, The Skin of Color Foundation is also a great resource as well. And then I encourage you to go on on, um, Instagram and um, on Twitter and search keloid and keloid awareness. And, you know, just doing that the other day, I came across so many wonderful posts and so many wonderful resources that as a dermatologist, I learned so much from just, you know, individuals' experiences. Well, that's all we have for today. Don't forget to subscribe to SkinTheSurfacePod.com. Follow us on Instagram at SkinTheSurfacePod. Stay safe and healthy, podcasters.